Hey everybody, on today's episode of Still To Be Determined, we're gonna talk about whether or not our Commodore 64 still works. <laughs> That's right, we're gonna be talking, as usual, about Matt's most recent episode from Undecided with Matt Farrell. We're talking about his episode, Quantum Computers Are Coming, But Why Should We Care? Question mark. This episode dropped on May 24th, 2022. And with me, of course, is Matt. Matt, how are you doing? I'm pretty good. How's your uh, Memorial Day weekend going? So far, so good. The weather here has turned gorgeous. And so we are enjoying normal Memorial Day weekend stuff. So we did our first cookout and nice fired up the grill, which was covered in cobwebs and uh, enjoyed some tasty burgers in the backyard last night. With a hint of burned spiders as you <laughs> eat They're it a little the bit, time. they turn it, they curl up and they turn it. It's a little bit like sesame seeds on the bun. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's tasty. That's disgusting. Yeah. For those of you who don't know me yet, I'm Matt's older brother. I'm Sean Farrell. I'm a writer. And Matt, you all know. So let's just get straight into the episode. Quantum Computers, this episode dropped on the same day as an interesting Vox article that I read about quantum computers. So I think this is interesting how this is peeking into the zeitgeist. It's it's yeah. emerging on people's radar as something that is on the horizon. If it's not already past the horizon a little bit and actually doing stuff. And I got the sense mm -hmm. from your video in particular, it's basically already here. It's at the beginning, we're at the beginning stages of it. It's already here. It's no longer yeah. theoretical. There's actual right. data centers and machines that you can actually tap into and start to use in very limited ways. But it's like, it's a hint of what's coming to the future. And you mentioned in your video, the hybridization that will likely take place. And you just mentioned just now the idea that there somewhere is a data center that's using a quantum computer and somebody could effectively through the internet log in and utilize that computing strength from what you are seeing do you think that that is likely the main future for quantum computing that it will be those kinds of large data hubs that will be decent you know what i'm trying to say is centralized in locations that we will utilize in that way as opposed to, will we ever have a com quantum computer in our home? Yeah, I, to me, well, we're actually heading towards that cloud computing infrastructure anyway. And our devices are becoming more and more of a thin client. I remember when I first started in tech in the software industry, it was like, thin clients was all the rage. It's all gonna go with thin clients. And it was like, yeah, no, it's not. It's not gonna go with thin clients. It's gonna be like, it's like laggy and slow. And it's like, we're at that point now where you can actually play games, beautiful games online and not mm -hmm. have a console in your house. And all you have is like a cr something plugged into your television set and then a controller and the game's actually being played in the cloud. Yes. We're heading that way anyway. So it's like, I think that's where most of this is going to be because like in the early days of computers where it was like an entire floor of a building was just all those things with like the real to real tapes spinning around and yes. it was like a glorified calculator that took up an entire floor. Right. It's like, it feels like that's what, quantum computing is today where it's like very large takes it takes a lot of, it's very difficult to manage at this point but as it gets smaller more compact we get more better at managing it and creating it it's like i think you're going to start to see this trickle out into more and more places but for right now yeah 100 percent, it's gonna be some kind of centralized data center thing that you tap into like i need to figure do calculations of some kind of science model and you send it off to google they run it the system and then spit out the data back to you I think right. that's going to basically be what it is for the, the near term. 
The concerns would be, of course, data security. You know, transmitting anything like that over through the internet is going to be a concern for some people. So some people, I can imagine some corporations would be like, we don't want to be sharing in that way. Mm-hmm. Another, another issue could be data corruption. You wouldn't want to be transmitting stuff and have it turn out that your numbers didn't get crunched correctly because bad data mm-hmm. in, bad data out. And on a personal level, an individual, how much do you see ownership as being an aspect of this? The idea that I own my phone or I own my car. Do you see this running into the idea of do people just (laughs) like owning things? And would this kind of cloud environment break that in a way that would Man, you're t- you're taking you're bringing this to like Mike. I want to turn that question to you and see what you think because it's like right. we're in you're you're going into like the right to repair and what yeah. does it mean to own something? Right, we're losing a lot of that control right now. Where a lot yeah. of that what software is is going up into the corporation, and we no longer own software. Yeah, I pay for an Adobe Creative Cloud subscription. I no longer own a copy of Photoshop. Yeah, so it's like if I stop paying month to month, I no longer have access to Photoshop. And it's like, yeah, there's this aspect where all this stuff is going out in the cloud and we're losing control and we can't really repair our phones easily anymore. We can't repair, replace our cars easily anymore. So it's like you're, you're going into kind of a quagmire of like, what do you think? I would turn on you. What, what do you think about mm. this? The, the, the way this is heading, where do you, what, what do you think about it? I think it's an interesting, it's a pretty big paradigm shift. And it's one that makes me think about, like, if you take somebody from today and you take them back 500 years and you don't talk to the individuals 500 years ago about technology, you don't talk to them Mm -hmm. about historical events, but you just talk to them about what day-to-day life would look like. Mm -hmm. The types of freedoms and expectations that we deal with on a day-to-day basis would sound to somebody from 500 years ago like an absolute fiction. It wouldn't, mm-hmm. th- there would be aspects of our day that they simply would not understand. You know, you now are a full time YouTuber. This is what your third career? Uh, yeah. Yeah. To go to somebody 500 years ago and say you had effectively redesigned your entire life around multiple careers within your lifetime that alone would be yeah like what do you mean what is a career like we wouldn't be able to in some ways communicate around these differences it's it's a such a a mind shift and i feel like something like quantum computing the the realities that it could bring about. And you described several of them in your video, everything from stock market predictions, weather predictions, being able to analyze molecular interactions, being able to design things with, you know, future battery tech, future personal computer tech, you know, the, the ability of a quantum computer to unlock something like better cell technology, better ways of compressing data so that you could end up speeding our cloud systems up even faster. Mm-hmm. The data power behind AI technologies. And we, you know, 
we don't even need to scratch the surface of that for that to be strange and terrifying at the same time the the realities of what might come about as a result of of these developments i don't know that we have the ability to truly forecast what this could mean for a hundred years from now for our grandchildren for that generation you know two generations ahead where they would be looking at ways that this is simply a part of the air around them. And the ideas of ownership, yeah, I keep going back to something you mentioned in a previous episode about the idealistic Star Trek future of things just are, things just need to be done. Things will be done because they need to be done. There'll be people who will do them because they want to do them. And there will be other people who want to do other things. And this feels like it's part of that fabric to me. Mm-hmm. The ability for something like this to be solving problems at a scale. Like I, I, I believe I read something about the early days of the research into the COVID vaccine. I believe there was an aspect of that that was reported about involving quantum computers running numbers. Like that kind of thing was taking place. Mm-hmm. And the speed with which the COVID vaccine was developed was one of the sticking points for some people about why they didn't trust it. This is too fast. That's the thing that we're seeing right now is that the, the rate of innovation, the amount of time it takes for that innovation yeah. to become adapted is getting shorter. And it's been happening over the past hundred years, getting shorter and shorter and shorter. And with something like quantum computers, it's going to accelerate that even more because we can do these calculations of what it how these molecular interactions will happen in a virtual space in a fraction of the time that would take us in the real world to test it out. So imagine what vaccines are going to be like 30 years from now, 40 years from now, right? with this kind of technology as it gets more and more perfected and becomes more mainstream. It's to me, it kind of makes my brain hurt a little bit. And I, I get where you're coming from of, it's like, if you think about our parents, mom and dad, when we were kids and we <laughs> grew up with the Commodore 64 and it was like, as a kid, as a kid, it was like the air I breathe. And it was like, yeah. this is the future. This is so cool. It's like video games in my house. <laughs> yeah. I don't have to go to the arcade anymore. And like, I can do so much with this. And it was, I could see exactly where it was going. Mom and dad was kind of like, I don't understand this newfangled computer you got here. And it was, I don't know why I became Southern, but it was, it yeah. was, <laughs> it's, it, <laughs> that's how I feel about quantum computers. It makes my brain hurt a little bit when I think about how quantum computers work. And what it could mean, it's like in concept, I get a high level concept as to where it's going, but I, I still can't really quite project how much it's going to change life in the future, yeah. whether it's going to be a good thing or a bad thing, whether the cloud and losing ownership of some of the stuff is a good thing or a bad thing. I think it's all about trade-offs and we're going to have to fumble through this and learn as we go because it's going to be really hard to predict. Yeah. Putting some of this into perspective was this comment from Dan Evander Sr., who wrote, I'm old enough, 80 in September, to have watched computer technology go from zero to what it is today. After I left the Air Force in 1964, I studied and entered the world of computers and never looked back. I took physics classes back in my college days, but still find it daunting to comprehend quantum computing and where it may lead. I hope we realize the promise, goodness knows, the human species will need it if we expect to still be here in the 22nd century. I thought that that was quite an interesting way of framing this from 
Mr. Evander and Dan, if you're listening, tip of the hat to you for being a part of that development and for such a long time. So yeah, it's, it's quite an impressive feat. And then there was this from Antony who wrote, if they're already using this in scientific research labs, we could see this in the commercial market in a few decades. Computers were a thing even in the 1950s, though they were the size of a bus. Data storage was low density. Drives were megabytes in size, but the size of refrigerators or washing machines. Now, 70 years later, you're watching this on a machine that's more capable than anyone who was alive back then could even conceive of or imagine to make sense. And I think that's yep. what you and I have been talking about is, you know, we walk around with computers in our pockets now. And you mentioned mm-hmm. the aspects when we were kids of, you know, oh, we're playing video games in our home. If you were to say, I remember the first time I heard somebody who worked on cars say what drove them out of being able to work on cars was the introduction of computers into cars. It Mm -hmm. changed their ability. Like it used to be, you could open up the hood and you could take the thing apart. You could put it back together and turn the key and it would run. And he said, now, if you take the thing apart and put it back together and you don't know what you're doing with that computer, it's not going to run. Yeah. So, <laughs> I think it it's it goes hand in hand the the sophistication of these things that we take for granted. Some people own refrigerators that will tell them when they're running out of certain items. Uh, mm-hmm. I just had my son show up at my door and say, uh, "Dad, we don't have any food." And I was like, "When was the last time I went shopping?" "Oh no." So <laughs> something like a refrigerator that would say you're out of milk. That would be a a handy little gadget. And then there's the aspect of it, which is, well, do we really want things that are paying that much attention in our homes and in our lives? And it, you mentioned trade-offs and I think that what we're looking at with what this could lead to is effectively no different than what we are currently seeing today on a certain level. A quantum computer isn't going to be more or less invasive than the phone I have in my pocket. It is Correct. simply a different aspect of computing power. To, t- to tap into that, this is something I've always heard about quantum computers when they become a thing, is that because of the way they calculate, they could brute force a password in a fraction of a time. So it's like, essentially, quantum computers would essentially break how we keep things secure today. So any kind of security we have just be meaningless. And so it's like, a, holy crap, what do we do? And the thing to bring that point back to what you just said it's not that it's dangerous for what we did today or anything like that it's a it's gonna be a new thing because the security within a quantum computer is believed to be unbreakable right and i had i saw some comments in and in the early day the early hours of this going out where people were saying i kind of equated it to like being like faster than light communication and that's not how this works that's not how you know the entanglement works and even for people who know some of this stuff, I don't think they understand the full scope because I didn't talk about this in the video at all. And somebody on my Discord server brought this up of, there was an article that just came up recently from a researcher where you can take multiple, you can take two quantum machines and you can create a quantum network. And if you, once you get them in sync and entangled, they are communicating between each other instantly. Yes. And there's no way, there's no way you can interject yourself in the middle and and untangle it so 
it's 100% secure. So it's like, okay, yeah, it's going to break security of the old way of doing things, but the new way of doing things is actually going to be even more secure. And this paper that came out recently was they finally, these researchers have created and found ways to entangle three computers, three machines. And it was, I read how they did it and I'm still trying to wrap my head around how they did it, but it was like, first you do this, you have like this fiber optic cable and you use photons to put these two and entangle them together. And then you put these two together and you entangle them, which now means all three are now entangled, which means they all can communicate amongst each other in real right. time. And, all and then once they're entangled, you're good. And so it's like, this is such a mind trip and hard to wrap your head around. I think even people who are aware of quantum computers and how all this entanglement works, mm -hmm. they still don't understand completely how it works. Cause it was like, there were people saying, this does not mean faster than light communication. It's like, well, here's a research team that's putting <laughs> quantum networks. It's like, yeah. that kind of flies in the face of what you just said over here. So it's, I think we all have to collectively understand. We don't know what the hell we're doing and talking about as lay people. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. like. The people that are like deep into the research are really the only people we can look to and have them explain how it actually works. Yeah. It, it's, it's a mind trip. I remember reading years ago about quantum entanglement and it effectively being like, if you have the ability to manipulate a thing over here and it instantly is also manipulating a thing over there, then you effectively have the ability to instantly communicate and mm -hmm. regardless of a distance. And so that means, oh, you entangled these two computers in these different locations and then you take one of them and you take it somewhere else doesn't matter yeah. how far away it's that kind of freakishness that is you know, you mentioned things like schrodinger's cat the idea of a quarter that you flip in the air and it never lands the the thing about quantum mechanics is it is effectively from our perspective magic because we mm -hmm. cannot experience it we experience the Newtonian rules. I throw an apple in the air. It's going to come down. It's going to hit me on the head. And I know gravity is working. Quantum, quantum uh, perspectives don't work in that way. And it's, that's I'm where, that's where say, magic comes in. And yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm smart enough to say, I don't know what the hell is going on with quantum physics. <laughs> it's like, I am fascinated by it. I have a very high level understanding of it. And that's as far as I can get because my brain just shuts down at a certain point of like, I'm going to have to trust you on this because I don't understand the underlying physics of what you're talking about. Right. And you're not alone in that because as quantum physics was being developed, there were ongoing arguments amongst physicists, including Einstein and Niels Bohr, who would argue against specific ideas because they couldn't make that leap yet. They couldn't see mm -hmm. numbers and they couldn't make make that leap and it is uh, physics is a is a realm that feels very much like it's arguing about numbers it's you know well not three two well not two three what does that mean mm -hmm. what does mm -hmm. it argue in that way so a large part of this conversation has been around the theory of what this means and i'm curious from the listeners what do you all think this means will we see these things in our home do you think we'll just see them in the form of better weather predictions more accurate stock market predictions removal of issues like you know if you are tapping into a gps system that is using quantum computing to pay attention to what's going on the on the road will you end up just getting perfect directions to locations that avoid all issues with driving or will we even be driving our cars at all will the cars just simply have a quantum computer 
sending all the cars to the right locations. Let us know where you think this might end up. We'd really like to know. You can find the contact information in the podcast description, of course. And if you're watching this on YouTube, just scroll down to the bottom of the video and leave a comment there. Don't forget to leave a review. You can review us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is that you listen. If you'd like to more directly support us, you can go to stilltbd.fm, click on the Become a Supporter button, and you can throw coins at our heads. And believe it or not, we love that. <laughs> Don't forget, if you're watching us on YouTube, you can also click the Join button there and become a member that way. All of these really help support the show. We thank you so much for your support, and we'll talk to you next time.